Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. On the eternal who would win battlefield, the fights rage on. Heroes meet villains, assassins meet monsters, and legends meet the obscure. But never before have we seen a matchup between two champions whose pure battlefield motivation is joy. Never before have we seen a battle where the combatants laughs are louder than the mayhem around them. But today is not just any battle, for today is when Drax the Destroyer meets Gazcool Thraka with every piece of pride on the line. It's the Guardian of the Galaxy versus the Beast of Armageddon. It's Thanos Hunter versus the Prophet of the Wog. It's MCU Drax the Destroyer versus Gazcool Thraka today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Legion of Audience, we are bringing you another out-of-the-box matchup that could only be conceived of by the Who Would Win production team. In one corner, you have a surprise breakout character from the Guardians of the Galaxy film franchise in Drax the Destroyer versus another amazing powerhouse from the world of Warhammer, 40k, God's cool, Thraka. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and not even once did this exact battle come up in any search whatsoever. Yet again, the Who Would Win podcast brings you a premier matchup 
in geek culture. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm super excited. This is the second time we've been able to bring a Warhammer character onto the show. A lot of folks may know I worked for Games Workshop for almost a decade. So look, this is in my veins. This is in my spirit. This is of my essence. The second time in five seasons. And I'm a big orc fan, so Gazcool Thraka is one of my favorite characters in the entire franchise. When we were looking for someone to battle Drax the Destroyer, I just started like thinking out loud and I kind of hit Space Marines and I'm like, well, if we're thinking Space Marines, let's just do the big old orc hoss himself and let's bring some 40k love to the Who Would Win show. Listen, it's definitely uh, an interesting suggestion. I'm not as familiar clearly with the uh, Warhammer 40k mythos, if you will, as Ray is. But I got to tell you, I'm such a fan of Drax the Destroyer. Dave Bautista is just doing a great job with that character. Sad, possibly, to see him go in the third uh, film of the franchise. But, you know, he's absolutely incredible. Listen, Ray, you know, we've been doing some really avant-garde stuff with the Hoover production team. And uh, with our matchups are showing it already for season five. I decided to kind of implement some advanced technology with when the Who Would Win machine, if you will. Yes. Um, all joking aside, we you know, chat GPT AI has been a big thing. People are talking about it. Of course, I'm an early adopter. I started playing with it. And uh, I asked it kind of a weird question. I fed a transcript of one of the shows into the AI, and I said, just give me an honest review of the show. So uh, I just wanted to read it real quick because it's really interesting. So I recently had the pleasure of reading a transcript of the Who Would Win podcast. This is from chat GPT AI, hosted by James Gavsey. In the show, James and his guests debate hypothetical matchups between characters from various key cultures, including comics, movies, and video games. One of the things I enjoyed most about the Who Win podcast, this is the AI, of course, was the level of detail and research that went to each episode. James and his guests were well-versed in the what strengths and abilities of the characters being discussed. I'm just reading this word for word from what Chat GPT said, and they were able to provide insightful analysis and predictions on who would come out on top in each hypothetical matchup. There's more. Another highlight of the show was James's hosting style. Wow, he was engaging and entertaining and did a great job of keeping the conversations on track and ensuring that all perspectives were heard. Overall, I found the Hoodwin podcast to be a fun and a form of listen for anyone interested in geek culture. I feel like this is almost comprehensive, maybe missing an element or two. I'm not really sure. Ray, what are your thoughts on ChatGBT's real, absolutely real uh, review of the Who Would Win show. Any AI that reviews the show without mentioning me a single time by name can poop on its own head as far as I'm concerned. What an outrage. What a debacle. The AI must stand for artfully inept because that's all I heard right there. I have a theory. When you use any type of like Siri or Google, like Google Home or anything like that, do you ever say thank you after it, it provides you with some information or does something for you? Every single time, and it unnerves me that I'm talking to a machine. Got it. So that's interesting. Even with saying thank you, I think that everything's listening. I don't know why I didn't mention your name, Ray. What I found absolutely comical is I just asked for a review, didn't give it any other prompt other than that. No prompt engineering is what the people like to say, and it didn't mention your name whatsoever. My theory is somehow, some way, Ray Stacanus ticked off the AI that was providing this information. I have no idea how it happens. All right, listen. Speaking of intelligence, not artificial, but intelligence that's so tremendous, you need to access it. It's time to introduce our guest judge. Coming back for another episode of the Who Would Win podcast. You know him from Bravest Warriors, Adventure Time, Distant Lands on HBO Max, and Tokyo Revengers. It's the one, it's the only. It's John Omohundro. John, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you guys for having me back. I'm so happy to be here. 
and uh, I'm excited for this matchup. I am so excited. Now, now, John, before we kind of get into the, the, the thick of things with this matchup, just tell the Legion of Audience, because you're insanely busy. You're always working on great projects. Tell the Legion of Audience what you're actually allowed to say in terms of oh. projects you're working on. Oh, man. So so the life of the life of an actor is very complicated, and I'm not allowed to say anything. And they don't tell me when I'm allowed to say things, so I just <laughs> have to kind of... <laughs> uh, uh, just sweat, sweat bullets. Uh, I'm, I'm working on, um, Rugrats right now for Paramount Plus. I'm doing Tokyo Revengers. I've, I was just did a Gundam, Kukuru's Doan's Island, which is a Heck movie. Yes. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of stuff and, and on camera actually as well, which is cool. Big, big show actually. I play a vampire. I can't say anything more than that, but it's very cool. Uh, that has like 12 episodes. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. There's so many cool things. Interesting. Guys. Okay. It's such a great gift. I, I got I got to ask this because sure. you know, we've had Adam MacArthur, Zeno Robinson, a whole bunch of like amazing uh, Vanessa Marshall, just amazing uh, people known for voice acting. But, you know, I always know they're great in front of the camera as well. Do you have a preference between the two? You know, I. In, in real life, I am much more animated, so I can just immediately meld into anything VO. But on camera is where I started in this whole process. And so I find that I like the getting up, going to set, getting like going through all the motions to get into the character. And it's it's a little different when you're doing VO where you just like walk in for a session and then you jam out the whole show in 45 minutes. Amazing. Which is that's kind of know. amazing in its own way, though, you know, given how long on camera stuff takes to just go in, pound through it, go home, have a hot dog. You know, that, that sounds great to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just there's there are parts that you love about everything, and man, I love I love VO. It's just the fact that I can just like roll out of bed, have my sweatpants on, go in and just start screaming into a microphone, start crying into a microphone, start laughing. There was I had to do an episode of Bravest Warriors where I only did gibberish. And I think that was the most fun I've ever had. The entire episode was in gibberish. And so they just like, they just had like, this is what's happening. And they showed me like the rough animatics of a like still? the situation. No, it wasn't even, it was more than a still. We got like rough animatics, but it was the most fun. It was called Sugar Bellies. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. It is, uh, it's actually just, it's just magic. I, man, putting, that is such a rough question to ask me which one I like more. That is, <laughs> I had to do it. It's I just had pain. To do it. Just pain. We asked the hard questions here on the great. I'm a show. terrible judge. I can't make a decision. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> just to clear a winner. We're good to go. Listen, you know, actually you're a fantastic judge and you really resonate with the fans of the show. And Ray and I both love how you, you take us through a story and, and you really, truly give us a process of how the show, you know, how the battle breaks down. What I'm trying to say is there's a lot of pressure on you to repeat your top tier performances that you've given so far, anything short of a hundred percent, John, we're going to have a problem. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm talking as a producer now. Okay. And uh, okay. these are the types okay. you don't want to, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Just, oh just, man. All just right. put that out there. I'm over here yeah, having I, a great right. day and Jazz is over here threatening the judges with physical violence. I don't know how you ever win a match, quite frankly. <laughs> all right. Listen, this is all interesting, but we have a battle to get to. All right. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. It's Drax the Destroyer versus Gaz Cool Thraka. It's absolutely amazing. Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the MCU, the warrior who would never let anything go over his head because he would catch it, Drax the Destroyer. And representing Warhammer 40,000, 
the space orc warlord who has a lot in common with the quarterback of the Detroit Lions because both are goffs. Gazcool Thraka. You well, see, Goff yeah, is a clan well of done, orcs that he belongs to, and it also happens to be the last name of the quarterback for your Detroit Lions. I mean, how am I not going to go there? Uh, you go to a lot of places with this, I, which I like, by the way. All right, well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. So, Ray, I'm using MCU Drax. Yes. That's it. That's the only version, of course. But is there, because I'm just so unfamiliar with Warhammer 40K, which version of your character are you using? You know, there's the story version, and then there's the in-game version. So I'm going with the story, the legend of uh, Gaskul Thraka, as seen in the various books and uh, articles and novels and audio dramas and all of the above. That's all one canon character. Is it? Is is Love it. is that all canon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is all canon to the same universe. It is set in the current world of Warhammer 40,000. Perfect. Very cool. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is remember the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com, get your hands on some fantastic Who Would Win merch. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Your pet's a member of the family. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them Num Num. Nom Nom's nutrient-packed recipes are meticulously crafted by their board-certified veterinary nutritionists with quality, flavor, and texture in mind. NomNomNow.com is where you want to go to learn more. During COVID, my family adopted a big, huge, lovable dog we named Apollo. And Apollo was the greatest thing for our family during that time. Whenever the kids had to do another remote learning class through Zoom, Apollo would stay with them and cheer them up for the entire day. And just like you, my dog is a member of the family, and that's why I love treating him with his own special meal plan from Nom Nom, which is the best dog food ever. And what's even better is that Apollo loves the taste of Nom Nom. He's never been happier. He's never had more energy. And according to the vet, he's never been healthier. And a healthy and happy dog means I've got a happy family. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash www. Spelled trynom.com slash www for 50% off. Trynom.com slash www. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Gazakul Thraka. Gazkul Mag-Uruk Thraka is a powerful orc warlord in the Warhammer 40k universe. He was created by Andy Chambers and first appeared in White Dwarf Magazine issue 134 back in 1991. Massive and megalomaniacal, Thraka gathers orc warriors from all around the galaxy to fight in his wog. Standing nearly 12 feet tall and wielding a deadly power claw, Thraka has been known to ragdoll greater demons, bust tanks up single-handedly, and tear asunder the Emperor's finest space marines. Fun fact, Thraka is famous in Warhammer circles for his adamantium skull, psychic connection to the warp, and his oversized power claw. However, it was surprising to learn that Gazkul Thraka started off as a randomly generated orc boss in a White Dwarf article. He caught enough studio attention to get featured in the Battle for Armageddon board game and later had a unique playable character card in Warhammer 40,000 usable by all. This makes him one of the first of two special characters ever for that entire franchise. But truly, the wildest thing about the character is the fact that his name is a send-up of Margaret Thatcher. And that is Gazgul Magaruk Thraka. Does that mean Margaret Thatcher was like an orc? Yes. I mean, that's why they put the Magaruk in there. Because it's sort of as a, you know, slant sideways sounds like Margaret. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right, very cool. Here are the details for Drax the Destroyer. Drax the Destroyer himself was created by writer Mike Friedrich and artist Jim Starlin, and Drax made his first appearance in Iron Man number 55, which was published in February of 1973. MCU Drax, of course, is portrayed brilliantly by Dave Bautista and first appeared on screen in the first Guardians of the Galaxy live-action movie back in 2014. Drax is a former Kelosian intergalactic criminal and a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He sought revenge on Ronan the Accuser, for killing his wife and daughter and went on a rampage across the galaxy, ending ending with him becoming known as the Destroyer and being imprisoned by the Nova Corps in the Kiln, that really cool space-age prison. There, Drax became uneasy allies with Star-Lord, Gamora, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. Together, they broke out of the Kiln and became embroiled in the quest for the Orb. 
after the Battle of Xandar, in which he finally exacted his vengeance on Ronan, Drax left Xandar with the other Guardians, but not before declaring Thanos as his next target. Since being part of the large army of heroes who defeated Thanos, Drax has rejoined the Guardians and continues his adventures in space. And here's an interesting fact about Drax. Did you know that Dave Bautista was not the first choice of actor to play Drax? It's true. Jason Momoa, who we know and love as Aquaman, was originally set to play Drax, but he ultimately turned it down because after playing Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones, Momoa was worried that he would be typecast as the muscular brute for the rest of his career, and so he ultimately decided that Drax wasn't the right next step. Interesting. And then he took Aquaman, of all things. Is he a brute, though? But Aquaman's not a brute. Yeah, that's the right. That's the. Big... We've proven that on this show many times. Owen oh, 2, Aquaman. Keep them coming, James. <laughs> and now you have the facts of both opponents. John, do you have any questions before we get started? This, who this is a, this is, we've got a destroyer and then we've got a, uh, I don't Margaret know what Thatcher. the, yeah, Margaret Thra- Thatcher and uh, a metal claw. Uh, I say we let this game begin. Heck to the S. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point one for Gazkul Thraka. First off, he is a massive orc uh, war boss turned uh, warlord turned leader of all. This is a guy who has a deep connection to the warp and can summon orcs from all around the universe to come fight with him because they know deep down in their DNA he's the best of them, the biggest, the strongest, and the baddest orc in the universe. And we start by talking about his massive size. He is roughly the size of an Imperial-class Dreadnought. That makes him roughly 12 feet tall, or twice the size of Drax. I understand that Drax is a big guy, he's strong, he's powerful, but every single time an orc in this world attains a higher status, defeats a more powerful enemy, he keeps growing in size. At one point, Thraka grew a head taller just by giving a rousing speech to his army. That's how the status of the orcs work. It's a little cartoon physics. It's a little bit weird. And so we start off with a massive power advantage for Thraka before we even get into anything else. But let's talk about his weaponry. On one arm, he touts a custom big shooter. A big shooter in the orc world can blow out forests, can blow out uh, squads of light infantry. Orc belief is one of the most powerful things they have going for them because orc weapons shouldn't work but they believe that they should work and therefore they work. At one point, some Imperial humans found an orc shoot-up and then they sort of like, you know, tried to dissect it to see what was going on and they found out it was like an empty gasoline can with three bullets rattling around inside of it. There's no way this thing should have been able to shoot anybody and yet it did because the orcs believed that it would. In fact, orcs believe that the color red makes them go faster so they paint their trucks faster and then when clocked, they go faster. Same with their shoes. They paint their shoes red so they will go faster in the battlefield. It's truly amazing what orc beliefs are capable of and no one believes more than Gazkul Thraka. They've also got stick bombs, you know, old World War II, the old German grenades on sticks and they'll throw them. I just like the fact that they exist, but they can blow up big. And his big weapon that he carries on his other arm is the Power Claw. It greatly increases increases his strength and adds a bladed attack to his standard attack. So you basically take a hulking behemoth and then puts a machine on his wrist that doubles his strength and tears through the most powerful armor. It rips up full tanks, 
fully reinforced tanks, he tears them down. He rips out reinforced doors, reinforced walls, rips them off to pieces. He's been known to shred Space Marine Terminator armor, which for those who don't know, is sort of the best of the best when it comes to heavy armor in the Warhammer world. In fact, it's protected by a psychic warp field, if I remember correctly. And he can just tear through it like it's nothing. And the last thing I'll leave you with, John, I heard a rumor you were a fan of Tyranids. Well, one point during a battle, he was eaten by a Tyranid Moloch. And that is a gigantic uh, space bug. And it has a gaping maw. And its big ability is that it swallows characters whole. That's what it does on the battlefield. He was eaten by one. And doing a move not unlike Drax the Destroyer, Torin ripped his way out from the inside of the bug after it had swallowed him whole. That's the type of monster we're dealing with. So I know Drax has got some impressive things he can bring up, but I'm just scratching the surface on Thraka. Drax is in for a rough day, and that's my point number one. Okay, this is all interesting stuff. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm not super up to date with the Warhammer Warhammer 40,000 uh, lore, but this character is absolutely amazing. So cool. Absolutely love it. But here's the thing, Ray, what you we were talking about, about Gazkul Thraka being 12 feet tall. You got to remember Drax is someone who takes on larger opponents all the time. In fact, in Avengers Endgame, he, we saw him in that big, huge war that was happening and where Thanos's forces were coming. Uh, Drax jumped on the back of Call Obsidian. That was that huge Hulk-like creature that we saw at the beginning of Avengers uh, Infinity War, whatever that was, and, you know, has that big axe. And Drax evidently jumped on his back and started taking him out and ripping him apart. And that thing's at least, well, probably much, probably 20 feet tall. And here's Drax just jumping on it, no fear, taking it out, ripping it apart. Don't think that size and that kind of power is really going to be that much of a threat to Drax. Now, on top of that, the really weird thing about Drax with his personality quirks, we've all seen this, He's lacking social awareness, if you will. If there's anyone that can wreck your confidence, it's going to be Drax. This is someone who can tank crazy punishment and start laughing about it and saying how much fun he's having. That, you know, in a big cage fight, if someone's you're punching someone and they're laughing, saying this is so much fun, it doesn't really make your confidence in the fight go up. In fact, it drops it dramatically. In terms of ripping off reinforced, you know, doors and what have you, and all that kind of good stuff, that's really impressive. That's what Drax is already kind of doing easily. So that's not strength that's really going to affect Drax in a big way. But let me get to my point number one. And my point number one is all about Drax powers. Look, we've seen them. They're kind of implied. I did some research and kind of figured out exactly what they were. So Drax, you know, he comes from this race of primitives, as so-called in the MCU, called the Colosians. They're a fierce warrior race. They follow this tribal-like culture. And Drax is quite possibly the most powerful out of that entire race. So he's got superhuman strength. Of course, he's super strong. It's very clear. He can easily toss a police car like it's nothing. We saw that in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy police special. He easily tore a large prison drone in half, tore off chunks of Groot, which is insanely hard to do. He even tore out the character Korath's cybernetic uh, cybernetic implants from his head, pinned him against the wall as a super powerful person, and just reached in, grabbed that implant off his head, and just started slowly tearing it off while he's looking at him in his eyes. Very disturbing, very Drax, kind of cool. Let's see. Uh, He can lift or press somewhere between 30 to 50 tons. That's according to the MCU wiki. This is important. Drax from comic books is anywhere from 75 to 100. The MCU version of Drax, not as powerful, but definitely low in 30 tons and 50 tons somewhere in there. To keep that in perspective, Spider-Man can lift about 10 tons, so he's super strong. He's also able to jump really high and really far thanks to the super strength in his legs. This is someone who can jump several meters in the air very easily and catch someone by surprise. 
Uh, he's got super superhuman agility and reflexes. Let's see. On top of that, um, you know, we talked about his durability. Of course, you know, he gets eaten by that monster, rips his way through. He's absolutely fine laughing about it. This is just kind of a freaky guy. Let's see. He's got a healing factor on top of everything. And again, according to the Marvel Cinematic Marvel uh, Wiki, Drax's cells, I'm using the quote here, regenerate much faster than most species in the Marvel Universe. During his fight with Ronan the Accuser, Drax got, you know, several bruises, cuts on his face. And moments later, he's absolutely fine. He's all healed up. When he was punched through several stone walls by Thanos, it definitely hurt him, but his healing factor enabled him to get up in less than two minutes to continue fighting. He's got super stamina where he can fight at his peak for many, many days on end. But this is where he stands out. He's got this superhuman durability. As strong as he is, the stamina and everything, it's his durability that's even more super than his strength. He can withstand attacks that most species in the Marvel Universe cannot. That's according to the wiki. Let's see, that's his uh, resistant skin talking. During the prison escape in the first Guardians movie, I love this scene. Drax took on direct turret blast to his chest unharmed before, you know, tearing the turrets apart with his bare hands. He restored beatings from Ronan the Accuser, uh, Thanos, all that kind of good stuff. Let's see, Ronan, you know, when uh, all of a sudden uh, against that, I think it was called Dark Aster, some of that big, huge ship that uh, Drax is on at the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy first movie, we see Rocket Raccoon screaming and he's flying the ship at full speed to crash into the ship. Unfortunately, Drax is standing in the way. He gets hit, you know, gets smashed through. He tanks it, gets up, and he's absolutely fine. This is really crazy. But he's got one more superpower that needs to be mentioned. This is something that I think no one's going to be expecting. It's one that he developed on his own. It's his super stealth. Remember, he has mastered the ability of standing so incredibly still that he becomes invisible. And he used his power for an hour. We saw that in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And the only way anyone saw him was when he chose to start speaking and start eating Zarg nuts, which are fantastic, I've been told. If he didn't say anything and didn't eat the Zarg nuts, who knows how long he could stay invisible? Look, put all those powers together, and this is a nightmare for his opponent. That's my point number one. I guess if we're taking every comedy bit into consideration here, he is all-powerful and all-stealthy. I could see him the whole time. Maybe people you, were just ignoring him. You know what, Ray? You know what, Ray? I think it comes down to if he believes it, it happens. You Fair. know, so I'll allow Thank it. Thank you. I'll allow Interesting. it. Interesting. All right. Well, here's Two the deal. Bullets in this a, is why in an John's a great can. judge. What I will say otherwise is that you said that Drax is the most powerful of his entire race, and that's excellent. But this is a race that got defeated and subjugated by Thanos and had half <laughs> of its people killed out from underneath him. Meanwhile, the orcs are a constant threat of the galaxy of one of the most violent universes in the history of fiction. No one subjugates them. The chaos gods tried, and it did not work. And if you could stare down the four chaos gods of 40K and say, we uh, uh, object, it's a little bit more powerful as a, as a group than Drax's people. I'm glad he's the best of them, because they didn't seem to be very much. That's hurtful. That's I'm hurtful here to right hurt. there, right? I'm here to hurt. By the way, I'd love to see I'd love to see Drax in the Warhammer 40k universe. I just think that would be a great thing. I think it ends right? well for him. All right. Possibly. John, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? So where I'm at currently is this is actually I your argument was pretty you everything that he said you had a counter to. Oh, he's wearing metal. Well, he tears through metal all the time. Oh, he's big. He beats bigger guys all the time. Oh, he, you know, this he's the scariest, baddest thing. That sounds like Drax food all the time. Uh, this, uh, uh, it is very, very close. It is very, very close. Oh. 
Very. Uh, though, oh, I, oh, oh. What, the only little bits that I know of 40K is I'm pretty sure the orcs fight super people all the time. Every day. So, so, oh, ooh. It's, uh, it, this is a very close one. This is a very close one. I think, though, I am slowly leaning towards Drax. Imagine that. Well, we can stop the battle right now if you want and just declare me the winner, or we can continue. You are the judge after all. I'm feeling like you want to continue. Is that where, am I reading this You know, it's just, it's so on the fence. It's just sort of the weight is sort of tipping one direction. If only I had a little bit more to go on on either side to really paint the picture Fair enough, you're the judge. You make the rules after all on this show. We continue. We continue. There we have it. All right, Ray, go ahead and give us your point number two. Point number two for Gazkul Thraka. Let's talk about some of his defensive capabilities. Because one thing I see about Drax in the MCU movies is he tends to get hit a lot. He is a powerful guy. He is tough. But look at him. He's not even wearing a shirt. He's wearing a pair of slacks and a belt with a couple knives on it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gazkul Thraka is wearing a full-on suit of mega armor, which is the most powerful armor in the entire orc uh, system, essentially. Did I mention the fact that Thraka is twice the size of Drax, several, several tons heavier than Drax, and I know Drax can lift, and yes, the spaceship crashing into him was a big deal. It did knock him down for a little while, though. It's not like he leapt into a battle afterwards. Thankfully, he did not need to. The thing about Orc Mega Armor, though, is that you could take a full-on round from a tank and just get generally shoved over like a weeble wobble, and you bounce right back up again. Wearing this mega armor for most orcs slows them down. It actually means that they are very, very ponderous when they fight. That would be generally bad against a character named Drax, but it is seen that Gagskul Thraka is shockingly fast when he wears it due to, one, his strength and his massive uh, uh, physical uh, uh, abilities, but also his belief that he should be fast in the mega armor. He believes it will be, and so therefore it is. And it is an important aspect of this character. Why is this important? It is important because he leans on the favor of the orc gods in battle. He is their champion. He is their chosen one. The two orc gods, Gork and Mork have been known to interfere in battles using their general warp energy, using their different gifts on the battlefield. It has been seen that Gork and Mork have literally deflected bullets away from him in the middle of a battle so he could get through the chaff and get to the fighting the really big things in the middle of the battle. When you've got one god on your side, it's pretty good. When you've got two who just want to see you kick butt, it's pretty good for you as well, maybe even times two. He has survived all kinds of manner of things because he's an orc. He's tough. Look, orc physiology is a little bit different than most uh, uh, most other creatures. He doesn't feel pain. He doesn't go into shock. In fact, you can damage pretty much any part of his body and he will heal it relatively quickly he also has a healing factor from different hits but i just don't know that drax is going to be able to trade blows with him and have the armor of thraka protect him where the no armor of drax is going to be a big problem when thraka's tearing through terminator armor look 
Thraka has survived a concentrated bombardment of anti-tank missiles, las cannons, heavy bolters, battle cannons. Meanwhile, a building was collapsing on top of him, and he just stood up, pulled the rubble off of him, cast it aside, and launched back into battle. One time he was impaled by a massive spike straight through his body, and they could not get it out even though he was still alive and functional. They used a tractor beam to try to pull it out, which just sucked out all his internal organs, and they realized they had to put the organs back in before he woke up and got mad. He grabbed a bloodthirster, a gigantic greater demon of corn who can fly and is one, again, just ridiculously just a tank stomper, hit him with a power whip and he just grabbed it and laughed because I was hoping you'd hit me with it so I could grab it and take it away from you. He tanked a power sword from Belial, the Grand Master of the Dark Angels, one of the top like three or four greatest space marines to have ever been seen in the world of 40k. He tanked a Lehman Russ's main cannon and was fine. That's a 120 millimeter shell straight to the chest. At the end of the day, I don't know what Drax can do. That's one going to hurt him, much less put him down. And with him having armor and Drax not, that is a huge strike in Thraka's direction. And that's my point number two. You know, so interesting in, in Marvel, I, I was kind of, you know, watching different movies and saying, you know, I get it. Iron Man armor, you need it, obviously, if you're a regular human in terms of physicality. But why doesn't a Drax have armor? Clearly, they have access to metallurgy in space. Why doesn't Thanos have better? And the reason why is because. They don't need it. In fact, it'll get in the way. As much as the armor is great and the speed and everything, they don't need it because it gets in the way. They've got this insane durability. Drax has that as well. Look, in terms of speed, I get it. You know, Gosco is very fast, but so is Drax. Remember, he's got low-level super speed, again, according to the MCU. And we even saw it in the first Galaxy of the Guardians movie. He jumped up and grabbed a prison drone flying in the air at high speed, and he just reflexes, jumps up, high speed, high level, grabs it out of nowhere, rips it apart. This guy's got speed. And he uses it in combatively as well. So he's got great combat speed. And finally, Mork and Gork, which I love, by the way, that's outside interference. This is a little bit different. Listen, in the Moon Knight episode, there was a god directly tied that was always tethered to Moon Knight. That's not the case with Mork and Gork. When they decide to do something, they jump in. But this is a random encounter in neutral territory. This is not something that they're just going to jump in for the heck of it. Because if they wanted to help out uh, God School, they'd be helping them all the freaking time they not they, they they're not they pick and choose so let me kind of get to point number two for drax in point number two let's talk about his fighting ability so look we all love drax we just do he's amazing his horrible sense of humor his complete state of being unaware of social norms and his utter lack of social skills i'll remind us of ray sicanus but unlike ray we actually love seeing drax be his typical self we all wish we could hang around with drax it would be really cool but behind this lovable super powered exterior of drax lies one of the galaxy's most feared warriors. That's what people kind of forget because Drax is just so lovable. Look, there's a reason why he was called the Destroyer. Keep in mind that Drax went on a bloody, again, a bloody rampage across the galaxy in search of Ronan the Accuser who kills his, his daughter and his wife. And after over 22 counts of murder and six counts of what are called grievous bodily harm, he was arrested, caught by the Nova Corps. The Nova Corps, it's a powerful group of uh, peacekeepers, police officers, if you will, in the Marvel Universe, took a lot of them to get him, and he's in prison, whatever, and he's absolutely fine. Listen, Drax is a badass, so he's an absolute killer and a master fighter. He has a level of skill, not just as a fighter, but as a super-powered fighter. This is different. He specializes in fighting beings, or as powerful as he is, or even more powerful than him. On top of that, 
Drax is absolutely brutal. He knows how to smash people in the most fun and hurtful way. We see him overpower multiple opponents at the same time, including several kiln guards. These are superpowered guards in that prison. Some of them have armor as well. He's taken out a whole bunch at the same time. Sakaran warriors with little no effort. These are badass as well. He was capable of killing Korath the Pursuer, and that's that person who had like the implants in his head who was super powerful. And he was even able to hurt Thanos, which is really, really impressive. So listen, as great physically as uh, Gazkul is, he's not a Thanos. Now, of course, Thanos absolutely wrecked Drax. It's a different power level, but Drax, it is certified. It is certified. He's absolutely seen. He does hurt Thanos in one or two fights with him. Now, on top of on top of all that, Drax is also a combat master with knives. He's got these two really long, cool curved knives he keeps in his boots. And in these things, I don't know, for Disney and for Marvel and Disney Plus, whatever, he is absolutely brutal and insane and goes stabby McStabberson, technical term, on everything and anyone he comes up with. Look, with his knives, he's absolutely insane and super effective. There's a few reasons why. Before, before I already mentioned this. He's a trained savage, has no problem going in for the killing blow or even just slashing into and through his opponents. He loves it. It's a fun thing for him. The knives are somehow super durable and super sharp. That's established within the Marvel MCU continuity. He's a master at using them. Finally, it turns out he's a master marksman and is highly accurate when he throws them. And this is where things get really interesting because keep in mind, Drax can throw things super hard and super fast due to his super strength, right? We got that. In Avengers Endgame, there's this cool scene where the Avengers, you know, I think it's Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Iron Man first encounter, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they have this big brawl, and we see Drax take out his knives and throw them super fast at Doctor Strange, who gets up a shield barely in time, and the two knives still go through and get impaled through where the points are coming out of Doctor Strange's shield. Now, why is that important? These are the same shields that Doctor Strange used to try to take on Thanos kind of successfully, by the way, for a while, when Thanos had a few of the Infinity Stones, right? So Thanos was on the Infinity Stones, smashing a Doctor Strange, fighting him, and he's using the same shields that Drax's knives were able to actually pierce with it. This is something that's absolutely going to hurt Gazkul. It's going to be a big, huge threat. Listen, all this put together just means that Drax is a super-powered warrior, has no inhibition of killing his opponents, who's also a knife master and a marksman who can throw his knives at super strength levels and can just and can hit super hard, and even hard possibly, than, than a lot of attacks that he's had to take on. And again, this is someone who has hurt Thanos. That's my point number two. James, much like the TV show Westworld after season two, I'm just not here for it. What I want to say is that you say that Drax doesn't wear armor because it gets in the way. Well, that's, that speaks to him not necessarily being as great a warrior as you'd like him to be. A guy who's fully trained and can move lightning quick while wearing heavy mega armor is going to have a huge advantage against the guy who moves just as fast while virtually naked, okay? And you say that Drax wins a lot of his battles through sheer intimidation, and I think I do agree with you on that. He tends to be one of the bigger guys in the crew, but Gagskul Thraka stares down greater demons. He stares down the Grand Master of the Dark Angel Space Marines. He shall know no fear when it comes to Drax, okay? And long range versus close up. Drax doesn't use a lot of long range weapons that we've generally seen in the movies. However, there is an advantage with the stick bombs and the custom big shoot-up that Thraka can shoot at him and pepper him from a distance and kind of get him where he wants him to go and pull a certain angle of attack that he's going to be ready for. 
At the end of the day, Thraka has tanked power swords funneled by warp energy in the 40k universe, which tear the heaviest armor like a hot knife through butter. I don't think a couple of sharp sticks and blades are going to have the same level of effect as a bloodthirster's whip, as a power sword from a grandmaster. It's just not the same type of weaponry, and Thraka can deal with the better stuff. All interesting stuff. Two good points from both of us, I do believe. And which means we're at the turning point where after hearing two points for Ray and myself, John is going to tell us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what John has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? We have a brand new patron. We got a handful of new patrons right in over the new year. And I'm very excited to say so. It's a name you may have heard on the show before. New patron, Matthew Dawson. Welcome to oh the gosh. Who Would Win show. I am very familiar with Matthew Dawson. He was the person who uh, lent his incredible talent to make all those great fight trailers we've been having. And he's just great and has great podcasts of his own. Definitely check him out. Okay. You got Matthew Dawson. This guy's insane. He's incredible. He's a big guy, too. Let's give him a heavyweight. Let's have Matthew Dawson fight Shazam. Matthew Dawson versus Shazam. Now, what's really interesting about this battle is Shazam's not going to want to fight Matthew Dawson at first. <laughs> at the end of the day, he's Billy Batson. He's a child. But he sees that he has to defeat Matthew Dawson in order to win his goal, whatever it may be. So he's going to come in real fast. Let's face facts. Shazam you know, can hang with Superman and beat him like three times out of 10 in, in a, in a fight, right? That's, that's generally assumed within DC, right? He's going to come in on Matthew Dawson and Matthew Dawson is just going to hold his hands up at the last second. And Shazam's going to stop because he's kind of like, what's going on? Matthew Dawson is just going to turn and he's going to pull a sheet off of something next to him. What is it? It's the bat signal. He's going to shine the bat signal into the air. And who comes to his aid in outside interference, no less, than Batman from Justice League Mortal, played by Ray Stacanus, who drops down, fires a batarang into Shazam's chest, and Shazam gets nervous, says, you got too many good friends. The rest of the Justice League audio drama Mortal team is coming soon. I got to get out of here, and he's going to battlefield remove himself. Congratulations on great casting, Matthew Dawson. Good luck with Justice League Mortal when it drops wherever you podcast. Wow, I didn't think anyone was going to be able to beat Shazam the first time on the show as a patron. Uh, yeah, you know what? That all tracks with me. Matthew Dawson, congratulations on winning your first fight and for being an amazing patron of the uh, Who Would Win Show's uh, Patreon community. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. John, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead? And what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? <sighs> Drax feels mortal. He feels mortal right now. And when you think that they both fight big things, Drax is known as, what, he's got what, 12 kills on him? The murderer, he's what did you say? He's got 12 kills or something in that realm. And he, I listen, think it was like over 20 before my he was biggest, stopped. my biggest problem with where we're at right now, and it, which is now putting me back on the other side of the fence, is that Drax was in prison. Put, put Thraka in prison. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. You'd have to, the world would have to be the prison, and he'd have to know he wasn't in it, you know. 
so I think you've you better have something big hidden under your sleeve of which you don't wear the shirt, Drax, because uh, you're going to probably need it. You're going to probably need it. If Drax does get lucky and he does manage to Drax is small. So I could see this big orc thing not thinking that Drax was as powerful as he could be. And I think in that moment, like we've seen we've seen Drax just go full ham on somebody's face more than once. So Oh man, now I just talked myself back up on the fence. Fantastic. I think I think Drax is going to need a little bit more oomph to push it over the top, but I could see it going either way. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Okay. So we're back to where we typically are at a draw, but this is where things kind of get uh, a little bit more clear for the judge. Ray, go ahead. See if you can get the win with your point number three. It sounds like much like Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night football, Drax needs to be put down for his own good. So let's talk about some of the things that Gaskul Thraka has done because he fights, you know, you talk about, oh, was that kill count for Drax? Is it 20? Wow. That's like the first 30 seconds of battle for Gaskul Thraka. This is a guy who tore through an entire five-man Terminator squad, things that defeat the monsters of the universe, and he tore through them very, very easily. He They once dropped him just down into a planet, a hive world, where there were Tyranids everywhere. Big ones, little ones, swarms of 30 Hormigants, Termigants. They were all coming at him, the Tyran effects, everything pounding on him, and all he did was murder, 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 murder. That's like dropping him in the aliens ship from aliens and having him not only kill all the aliens on board, destroy the ship too, and then just float around until he found his next battle. That's the type of character we're talking about. You ask yourself, how would Drax do if he was dropped onto a hive world? The answer is not particularly well, but Thraka wins under those circumstances. But let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the different feats that he's accomplished, some of the characters that he's beaten. Because I noticed something about Drax. Drax is really, really good in the MCU movies at wiping through a squad of chaff. If there was a squad of Imperial Guardsmen in front of Drax, he would take them out without really any problem, and it would be well-orchestrated, and it would be a lot of fun. The problem I see is when Drax by himself would have to take out one of these larger creatures because, as we all know, Drax very heavily relies on a team to fight with. And while Gaskul Thraka has an army, I wouldn't say he relies on them in his big conquesting battles. And that's a huge difference between the two of them. Thraka's the one that you need a team to fight. Drax is on a team to fight one guy. Huge difference in thinking. Now... He fought Ragnar Blackmane of the Space Wolves, who's one of the top characters in all of Space Wolves. They've written tomes about him, dramas, audio drama stories. This guy is absolutely fantastic, and we all know Space Marines. If you remember the Marnius Calgar episode, these top-level Space Marines are just the stuff of legend. They win every battle they fight. They spit acid. These are incredible Space Marines wearing the most powerful ceramite armor that the Emperor provides. Well... Gaskul Thraka fought Ragnar Blackmane of the Space Wolves for 10 straight days. Endurance is not going to be a problem for him. 10 straight days fought Ragnar Blackmane. He lost his head. He was decapitated in the battle. 
And it was still a draw because even though he'd been decapitated, he was able to keep going and he's literally crushed and squeezed the life out of one of the most epic space Marines of all time. He absolutely dominated Belial, the Dark Angels Grandmaster, the number one in the first founding chapter of the Imperium, the Dark Angels. He literally hit him with the power claw so hard against his artificer space marine armor that he essentially tore it useless. It was hanging, but completely unusable. And the idea of doing that against a Dark Angels Grandmaster with one shot put Drax in that same situation, and he is in 39 pieces wondering what happened from the afterlife. At one point, Thraka ragdolled a bloodthirster greater demon of corn, speed it to a bloody pulp, and then casually tossed it into a warp portal to go back to the dark dimension. He does not mess around. If you are in front of him and you are his enemy, he destroys you no matter how big, how tough, or how many of you there are. And my favorite thing that Thraka ever did with his adamantium skull, I've been with that a little bit, but you're punching it, you're punching adamantium, uh, uh, just for the record. At one point, there was a warp to the dark, uh, the dark chaos energy, right? It was a warp to the chaos realm. And he was trying to get rid of it because all the chaos spew from that warp, you know, like a Pandora's box. And how did he close this warp gate, this tear in the fabric of reality? He headbutted the, the Terran reality with his adamantium skull. He literally hit it with his own head and closed a tear in warp space and reality. That is nothing that Drax can relate to. That's nothing that Drax can do at the end of the day. Thraka is way too much, has fought by himself way tougher foes and destroyed them. Drax doesn't have his team with him today, and that's going to be a problem. And that is my point number three. All right, this is interesting because you use the term adamantium, and in Warhammer lore, adamantium is insanely durable, but it's not adamantium from Marvel. It's not the same apples for apples. It's apples and very different oranges in this one. Now, a couple of things i got to push back on. You know, at the end of that battle, uh, Gazkul, you know, that you mentioned, he got his head ripped off. There was a cool battle. I read about it. Really, really cool. Head gets ripped off, and he keeps fighting because doesn't his head, he's able to use his head to kind of put it back onto another set of armor. Something was going on there where he had a replacement right then and there. If his head comes off his body in a who would win fight, there's not another set of replacement armor for him to put his head on and therefore inhabit and keep fighting. That's something that's just going to be absolutely done with them. By the way, you, you know who's never had their head ripped off? That's including after fighting Thanos a couple of times. Oh, yeah, that's right. Drax. So on top of all that, the one thing about Gazquil, uh, Gazquil, I've got to really kind of bring up, and, and again, I love the character, I really do, but he has a track record of being the biggest, most powerful being in the room. Even when he gets dropped into that hive world, he's fully armed, he's got weapons, he's got all that kind of stuff. Of course, he's going to take out a ton of them, which is not saying it's not impressive, but he's the biggest, strongest thing with the best weaponry in the room. When all of a sudden he has to fight something as big, as strong as him, or possibly even greater and bigger and stronger, Things kind of fall apart. His confidence kind of drops and we see some holes in the proverbial armor. So let me get to my point number three, which I'm just going to say from point number three, one of these characters needs a plan to fight to win. And the other one just needs a reason to fight and loves it. And you'll see where I'm going with this. So what's the big difference between these two characters? The big difference really is that one can fight easily on his own and the other is at their truest best when they're fighting with an army 
that they can command. Okay, now let's take a look at Gaskell first. Gaskell is overconfident and completely underestimates his opponents. I did a little bit of research and I saw this over and over again. So, for example, in something that was called the Second War for Armageddon, the Second War saw Gaskell mount what many called an outrageous attack against the Imperial forces on Armageddon. And this battle saw Gaskell not only lose, but also make an enemy for life in the form of the tactical genius character named Commissar Yarek. Again, thought he was going into this, thought he had everything going, gets blown apart, blown away. This happens in wars, right? You learn from this. You come back even better, which is what happened in the third war for Armageddon. And so after being beaten once, Gaskell returned to Armageddon. This time it's to settle the grudge against Yarek. Remember, he's had prep time. He's got previous knowledge, all the things you need to get the win. And he fought the, uh, and this time he had the Imperium. Uh, no, sorry, he's fighting against the Imperium, I should say. And this time he brought an even bigger force with him. You'd think he'd win, but both sides fought to a brutal stalemate, at which point Godskull, get this, got bored and took off. What? You're fighting for revenge? You're fighting to avenge a defeat you had? You have better armaments? You've got preparation? you got knowledge? But you get bored during the fight and take off? I'm not sure what the deal is with that. Maybe his confidence was horrible. All right, now, there's also the Battle of Haunted Gulf, where... Uh, evidently, shortly leaving Armageddon, Gaskell ended up cornered by High Marshal Helbrecht of the Black Templars and Commissar Yarek, some badasses. So what did he do? Well, Gaskell rigged an explosion as a diversion to escape and disappear. Against superior forces, instead of sticking around to fight, what did he do? Yeah, I need to get out of here. Boom, here's a distraction. I'm gone. So the first battle he lost. The second battle he was prepared and came back with reinforcements and lost. And the third time, he was surprised. Instead of sticking around... He escaped, by the way, rightfully so, because, you know, you want this guy to survive. Now, and look, even on one-on-one, Gaskell wins only if he absolutely overmatches his opponents. That's how he became the leader of the Unified Orcs. He was bigger and stronger than because of all that power that got imbued with him. Again, cool story, but that's why he's, he's the leader, because he's the biggest, strongest guy around. Now, if he doesn't have that army, which is, what, over a billion orcs or what have you, things start to fall apart. He'd make a tactical retreat if things didn't go well. He wouldn't stick around to fight, which, by the way, I'm not saying it's always the smartest thing, but he's just not that person, that thing, that creature, whatever it is. Gaskell is a perfect example of a type of fighter we were starting to see on the Who Would Win show. You know, it's that fighter with some prior knowledge from a first encounter, time to prepare, and all that kind of good stuff. And given that time to prepare, they'll absolutely get the victory the second time they fight. But in the first encounter, which is a complete surprise against an opponent who matches them physically but may overwhelm them with their desire to fight with savagery like Drax, they are, at best, surviving and escaping in order to live to fight another day. And that's typically been the case for the smarter fighter, by the way, which in this case is definitely Gazkul. So if he decides to stick around and take the fight to Drax, he's not going to have necessarily the superior physicality. He's not going to have all that billion of orcs in his army around him. He's not going to have all the things he loves to enjoy that gives him that overconfidence, that builds his power. In fact, he'll have none of it. If his head gets taken off, there's not a replacement set of armor sitting right over there it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. And in a battle where Godskull always thinks, I have a point to fight, I have a reason to fight, it's got to be worth it, and I'll escape if I have to, and oh no, if I have to fight something bigger and stronger than me, I'm not going to be doing so well. My confidence drops, my powers drop. Yeah, against someone like Drax, all of the above is going to happen. That's why Godskull loses. That's why Drax wins. That's my point number three. No, 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 no. Don't you even try with your intoxicating mind fog that Thraka would just leave a battle against a character like Drax. That is absurd. And I will say before, I said Hive World, I meant Death World, and please excuse me, you 40k purists at home. A Hive World is actually what the uh, Armageddon is. And that's a huge industrial, like, factory planet, essentially. And the thing is, and you were right, he had trouble with Commissar Yarek, his mortal enemy, the one enemy he could not overcome. 
and that's because sieges are very, very hard, especially against factory hive worlds. And Yarick was just a master tactician who just constantly was able to get, you know, get the right uh, defense in front of all the offense, and that's why he left. Because sieges are boring. At the end of the day, you're trying to you're trying to smoke them out. You're trying to make sure they don't have food. That's not what orcs are all about. But you, to what you said, he uses tactics. Most orcs don't worry about that, but Thraka actually uses tactics. But he's never once in the middle of a one-on-one fight between a worthy opponent decided it's not worth it and walked away. He's just not that type of guy. Orcs love to fight. Orcs are literally born to fight. So if he's fighting Drax and he's getting it as good as he's given it, he's never just going to leave that fight because that's all he wants to do in life is keep on fighting. And let's talk about Drax for a sec because Drax, again, he fights Chaff with the team and he wins. What happens when he went one-on-one with Ronan the Accuser? He got destroyed. What happens when he went one-on-one with Thanos? He got thrown away like a ragdoll, and he didn't come back. And that's the difference between these two. You got one who can fight Ragnar Blackman of the Space Wolves for 10 straight days, lose his head, and crush the life from Rag, uh, Blackman's body. And you've got the guy who was thrown away by Ronan the Accuser and Thanos... It's just when you compare feats, when you compare powers, when you compare what they do, Drax is unfortunately just a cut below where Thraka is. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, this is such an interesting battle. I feel really uh, bad for John, our judge, because this is, uh, you know, and I love both these characters too. This is crazy. All right. With all that being said, John, it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between MCU Drax and God's cool Thraka. I think I've got it. Okay. So with the way I understand it, and I don't understand all of it, but I'm going to do my best to paint this picture for you. Thraka shows up onto a battlefield. Okay. His army has just moved through here. He is by himself currently. He senses something is amiss, and he sort of scans the area looking for something like a predator you know when you are prey. And so he turns and looks and sees nothing. And just then, he'll hear a small chuckle as Drax, with 30 tons of force, pops a punch right in his leg and will drop him down to a knee and he will then pull out a knife, crawl up the back of this man and just start stabbing start grabbing pulling at any kind of cord the uh the orc is going to look up try to figure out what the hell has just jumped up like a bat out of hell and he's gonna grab him try to grab him uh uh, drax is gonna be pretty strong and just sort of move to the other side he's gonna stop grabbing pipes and and cords he's gonna grab one of those horns that, that is on his back and pull it off and try to jam it into him and just then, the the orc will get that grip onto Drax and just chuck him as far as he can off the, the side of the battlefield. And and this isn't going to affect Drax at all. He's just going to roll back up and get up and, and start to look at the, his orc opponent and just size him up. And the, the, the orc is going to sort of look down at him. And he's going to do whatever he does to sync with the warp and to call his army in. Now, his army will arrive, and they will come to his aid, but he will not let them fight because he's been challenged, and he has been, 
you know, he's not going to let this small Drax, this is not an army fight, but he's going to use this moment to show his, his, his army why he is the leader. And he is going to step forward slowly and his head will start to grow as he slowly starts to show dominance over a battlefield of, of, of other people and creatures. And he will then pull up his arm and his arm will glow a bright red and just blast that entire battlefield in front of him and, and just totally pepper Jacks or Drax with, with just bullets of, of an innumerable amount, I'd imagine. Just when the, the, the smoke begins to disperse, a dagger will just shoot straight out of the, the smoke and smash him right in the neck. And Drax will go, ah, just start running straight at Thraka. And Thraka will punch him straight down. And then Drax will start to get up and Thraka will just punch him again and again and again and again and again. And every time he punches, it's almost like he's a little bit bigger and you're hearing roars in the, in the background as, as he, as he is just absolutely dominating Drax and Drax will slowly get his hands on, on the grip and start to push up and go, ah, as he's showing his own strength. And then Draco will put the gun right to his face and blast again and keep punching and punching and punching until Drax stops moving. And then he will put his hand up as he's the victor. And then he will get back down and whisper whatever he says in his orc language. And he will keep punching. He will grab Drax and start smacking the ground. He will take him and try to pull him apart, but he can't for some reason. This guy is very strong. And he'll just keep beating until that Drax does not get back up. And Drax might start moving again. And he'll just keep thrashing. I think this is a hands down, the orc wins. I think without, Oof. with some kind of external interference, like maybe he's got gods of his own to help him out. I just don't see it. Thraka wins. Thraka wins hands down. Go. Wow. Wow. You know, I got to tell you, that was probably, that was definitely the most entertaining depiction of a battle that a judge has given in quite some time. By the way, that was awesome. That was absolutely incredible. I think your analysis is brilliant, actually. I'm okay with this decision overall, even though I love Drax and I think Goska, uh, you know, Goska Thrak is amazing. I'm okay with this decision because it kind of makes sense. Ray, what are your thoughts on this? You had me going in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I actually, your description of this fight was so incredible that I actually felt like I was watching it as you were painting the picture. So great job, John. Uh, as far as one of the most colorful uh, descriptions of a decision that we've ever heard on the show, that's called bringing it for season five. And I appreciate it. And I also appreciate that you came to the correct decision. The points I outlined were absolutely on point. Drax is incredible. He's comic relief though. At the end of the day, he's the person who gets beat by the big bad to show how powerful the big bad is. And that big bad is gas. Cool Thraka. And that's just the piece. That's the piece of the puzzle right there. That's the end of it. So great decision. Great way to tell the decision. You thought I was good with video game characters. Give me a 40 K character and we can rumble. Yeah. Oh, guys. You're okay. You were okay, but John was great. How dare you? John was great with the Warhammer characters. You know, I think we all agree, by the way, that there was a wasted opportunity. I read this article that Dave Batista kind of talked about 
how he felt like Drax could have had his own vehicle in the MCU, like could have had his own movie or could have had his own separate storyline the way they were doing it for group for a while, what have you. I actually completely agree with them. I, I'm sad to hear that this may be the last we see him in the next movie. Do you guys agree at least that Drax could have had his own storyline that everyone would have loved? Storyline, yes. I don't think he's the right character. He's like kind of like the Hulk in his own regards. Like he's a better supporting character than he is a guy you actually like put put it put driving the car. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I know what you're saying. I completely disagree. John, that's what I, you say about this. I actually think that it would have been a hilarious like suicide squad movie. I could totally see him. He's like, we've got the best of the best, the the strongest, the the most tactical uh, advisor straight down from the, the, the capital sentiment to to lead this operation. And it shows up and it's Drax. And he's like, we go in, we kill. They're like, if we go in, we're die, we die. And he's like, no, you die. I live. And like, it could That's be, right. that could be really funny. And like, you can <laughs> see that being like a... Uh, uh, I could see almost like a uh, very P- like a PC Tropic Thunder where it's just like silly, yes. stressful. <laughs> like um, uh, it, it could be that could be fun. There's definitely a story there that could be told. I, I there's, there's a story. story. Yeah, there's easy. a story yeah. for sure. I, I, I was just hoping that sometimes, like, because he's just so great and his delivery is fantastic. I was just wishing Drax would have been like after a big battle. Like, I know we lost a lot, but don't worry, I'm okay. Mm. You know, mm. like after everyone's just decimated and everyone's screwed up and they've had horrible losses, but he's fine eating Zarg nuts, and he's like, but the good news is I'm fine. Don't worry. You know, I'm good. I, All right. Can I say really quick, I just want to give a shout out. Dave Batista as an actor, because when he first was a wrestler, he was just kind of a big, tough guy. I didn't think he showed a heck of a lot of personality in his wrestling days. He was just sort of a big, like less, uh, a less than Br- Brock Lesnar. That's sort of how I just saw him, you know, a big, tough guy who beats everybody. And when he started to do acting, he was in, I want to say it was a Bond film where they didn't even let him talk. He just fought like on a train or something. And I'm like, okay. It was Skyfall. I, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like get into him as an actor, but he is a person who has clearly worked on his craft and he has clearly gotten himself to a level that, that I don't think a lot of actors are capable of. He knows who he is and he knows what he can do. So when I saw him in that uh, Blade Runner movie, when I saw him in the Guardians of the Galaxy and now in Glass Onion, he has become one of my favorite watches on screen. And that's amazing given where he was, in my opinion, when he first started. So I just want to say, great job, Batista. I want to see more of you. Yeah. Oh, he was so good in Glass so Onion, true. actually. So good. But you know who we really want to see more of? That's our Judge John. He was fantastic. John, you were absolutely incredible. And thank, thank you, you so much. I didn't get the win, but I felt like a winner after listening to that amazing depiction of how this battle would go down. Absolutely incredible. This is only our second fight, our second battle in the season five, and we're just absolutely killing it. Thanks to great judges such as yourself. So with all that being said, please tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me just by my name, which is John Omohundro. If Generally, if you just type in at John O-M-O, it'll pop up. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I I absolutely love doing this and running the mind games and, and really thinking this through. I think it's really fun. You guys put a lot of heart and soul into it. It, it, it helps when the judge just kind of brings their A game as well. I got to tell you, and just really amazing job on your part. Please come back really soon. Now, Ray, you got, we're, we're tied for season five. Uh, you got a great win today, showcased amazing characters, this amazing world of Warhammer 40,000. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. Of course, uh, this is a great victory. If you guys don't know the world of Warhammer 40,000, I'm sure that with all the video games, the tabletop games, the novel, the audio dramas, 
there's something in there that if I have piqued your curiosity as to this world, look, I don't work for the company anymore, but I am a fan of what they do aside from firing me. The point I'm trying to make is go check out some Warhammer stuff on your own time. I think it's worth it. And I think you will. Uh, Warhammer 40k did a Magic the Gathering crossover that I absolutely adore. Absolutely adore. And uh, you can find like commander decks to go play at your local game store and kind of get the the heart and soul of Warhammer 40k in Magic the Gathering. And I think it's really good. And I'll just promote it because I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be I just found out about this before the show. You told me about this. So I will be purchasing it on my own dime. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Uh, you can also see me, of course, in the new Justice League Mortal uh, superhero DC Comics audio drama that's dropping. I'll be playing the role of the Batman. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Batman and Bruce Wayne. It's my take on it, and it's well-deserved, and I earned it. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I think it's going to be a good show. Uh, the trailer just dropped, uh, the teaser trailer, and I think you will like it if you give it a listen. I'm a fan. Of course, go to VampireDetroit.com and listen to my Reclaimed Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. Five episodes exist. Eight more are currently in the works. And someday I will actually finish writing them and we will get them made. Find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I have nothing more to say. The Lions are nine and eight. I won with a 40K character. Life couldn't be better. For now. Life is good indeed. Um, the other <laughs> next shoe will that? obviously drop at some point, but not today. <laughs> enjoy your moment race to canis you deserve it actually life is really good even when you lose when you have a, a great judge who gives a great decision all right you can find me on twitter instagram and facebook by typing in at james gaps remember to join the official who would win facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community you can also find us on instagram and tiktok at who would win show don't forget to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever else you go for your podcasts on behalf of myself race to canis and the rest of the amazing who would win production team thank you once again for checking out another episode of who would win We'll see you next time. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. 
remember crying when Optimus Prime died? Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode? Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower, so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! No. And Knowing is Half the Podcast.